Welcome to the second episode of the Dynasty Edge podcast. I'm Jimmy McEntee alongside Sagar Parikh. Sagar, how are you doing? How is it going? Oh, doing well. Having a good Labor Day. Yeah, it's <laughs> been it's been working. it's been a little while since we uh, recorded our first podcast. So um, hopefully, and a lot we'll have has changed. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Including, I think, uh, some of the takes we had in the last one. Um, hopefully. Uh, we'll we'll have a fun podcast here today. Um, I thought I'd just give a little bit of an intro of what what we think we're uh, gonna talk about. So we're gonna start with kind of a team by team breakdown of the league, uh, going in reverse order of uh the the finish from last season. We'll then project where we think the teams will finish at the end of the twenty twenty season. Um, with Jay Lou certainly being the the champion, projected champion, I think we, we've talked about it before. Uh, we both have that as the most likely outcome, and then touch on some transactions this off season um, that we think uh, that we've liked, um, some different things that, uh, um, and perhaps you know even going a little bit pre draft and, and even without a down of football being played, things that we uh, view differently than than the last time we recorded. Sounds good to me. All right, so let's start with let's start with the the worst team from last year, Jay Lou's squad. Um, it looks a lot different than it did at the end of last season. Um, what do you like about his team? And, and I guess I should say too, when we go through the team by teams, I think we're going to do it from a dynasty perspective, um, and then we'll we'll you know project where they finish for for just twenty twenty. But from a dynasty perspective, what do you like about Jay Lou's team? So. I, I like where he's at now versus just a few months ago. Um, you know, he finished in t- 2019 as the worst team. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if that's where he finishes in 2020, but it doesn't really yep. matter. Uh, he's kind of blown it all up. I think the move that he made, um, and I know we're, we'll talk about our favorite offseason moves, but getting 110, 203, DK in a, in a, for a Jared Goff, Mostert, uh, Lockett trade, I think revamped his entire strategy. Uh, yeah, blew it up, got younger, drafted wide receivers, traded Kittle, which I liked too for him. It just didn't make sense to you know carry tight end one or two for some people, um, given that he won't compete right now. So I, you know, overall, I love his wide receivers. Depth wise, it's insane. The youth. Um, he's got a few really young receivers in DK Chark. Boyd that will actually be pretty productive in 2020 and then a, a ton of um, you know depth uh, with Justin Jefferson uh, CD Lamb Higgins um, and the list goes on and on there um, obviously everything else though is uh, work in progress it's just all wide receivers for him yeah I agree with that take I think from a roster construction standpoint um, for rebuilding teams it just makes a lot of sense to focus on the wide receiver position and build that way and hit on drafts at the quarterback running back position later on. So um, I definitely like Boyd. I think he's in for a good year. Chark is a great piece. CD, uh, you know, Deontay, DK, all guys that will, you know, increase in value. Brian Edwards, another guy I like a lot. Um, and I guess, uh, you know, the, the one area that I have real concern is the quarterback position. Obviously we're a super flex league. I think there's a real chance that, uh, you know, at the end of this season, going into the draft next year, he has zero starting quarterbacks. Um, we'll see what happens in Carolina. We'll see what ha- I mean, obviously, people would project Sam Darnold to be the starting quarterback of the Jets next year. But um, I think they're in for another very tough season. And, you know, just depending on the way it shakes out and who ends up at the bottom, uh, you could look at a new quarterback in New York. Um, and certainly it's a possibility in Carolina. So um, that's probably my, my biggest concern from him moving forward. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think Darnold for sure will be the starter. Um, I think they they do like him. They need Adam Case out of there. Um, I think, you know, it, it's I, – I think they're more likely to give up on Case than Darnold. Um, so I, I envision him being the starter. I agree on Bridgewater. I don't know how I feel about him going into this year. Um, I do think that he's more of a QB three than a two. Um, and I don't see as much upside with Teddy versus Darnold either. I think Darnold could potentially become a QB one one day. I just don't think Bridgewater will. The only thing, though, is for the first time, I think John Lewis owns his own first round pick, yeah. which is 
which for yeah, a yeah. team that will struggle is big. And with huge, the two huge. or three, you know, potential stud quarterbacks coming out next year, um, you know, that can very much fix, uh, at least be a, you know, a long-term play for him. Agreed. Agreed. All right, let's move on now to the team that finished um, second to last uh, edges team. Um what do you think about his squad? Again, a team that looks very different than it did last season. Um, I think for the better, but let me let me hear your thoughts on on how his, how his squad looks right now. Yes, I, I mean overall a contending squad because he had 102 and and drafted Ceh, and that's that pick has aged very well given um, yep. you know what's what's gone on with Damian Williams and such, but has probably the best wide receivers in the league. Um, definitely among the top two teams in terms of receivers um, overall depth at running back is going to be an issue quarterback getting golf. I didn't really love the move, but at the same time, like he should be good now for 2020, at least with golf um, Daniel Jones and Haskins. And they're all fairly young too. Um, but you know, it, he's a contending squad. So to go from ninth place to a contending squad is, is pretty good. Just concerned about RP depth. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would agree. I think they're, you know, going into every season, there's some teams that look really good on paper, and Edge is certainly one of those teams. I, I do think, and I have them projected pretty high, and we'll get to it in our next segment, but I think this is a team that could really flop. Um, and I think he'll go as his running backs go. Um, CEH, I think, is as, you know, high, as likely it is that he is a stud. I do I do have some concern that he's being a little overdrafted. And Fournette, a guy who probably has a range of outcomes that is um, just as high, you know highly uh, – he could finish as a top five running back. He could finish as a you know 40 to 50 running back, in my opinion. Um, and so I think he'll go as those guys go and as those guys stay healthy. I think he really needs them both to stay healthy this season to compete. Yeah, I actually uh, – I agree with uh, on the CEH. Um, I think that he is – he has a ton of upside, obviously, on the best offense in what we've seen in the past decade, probably. And um, I think that he will he will definitely be a uh, productive player right away and one of the top rookies for sure. Um, but, you know, he's he's being treated as a RB1 already. Um, not that I don't think he can do it, but I think that there could be some limit on his rushing ability. And, you know, there's concerns about his pass blocking. And as a rookie and with Mahomes back there, if he misses one block, like I don't think they're, they're going to just keep him out there. Like you, you can't risk your $500 million quarterback uh, to a rookie that can't block. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Let's uh, move. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to add, I actually do like his um, you know, third and fourth backs. I do think they have some potential, but they're in a model backfield. So with, Philip Lindsay, Raheem Mostert, they can be, you know, valuable pieces. Um, an injury or two in the backfield could actually propel them to more of a high-end RB2. But, again, like, it, it, it'll, it all depends on those first two guys that you said. Yeah, I would definitely agree. I really like Lindsay, especially at his current value. Um, we'll see what happens with Melvin Gordon, but I think Lindsay is definitely a guy that could overproduce relative to, you know, ADP at the moment. Um, all right, let's move on to Roshan. Uh, finished third to last last te- year. I think he, you know, he made a big trade to get Kamara. Um, has a very nice running back room at the moment. What do you think about his team and 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 this dynasty perspective moving forward? I think you said it. RB heavy quarterbacks are solid. Whenever you have Lamar Jackson, you're you're going to have a good quarterback room too. But um, receiving depth is is going to be an issue for him. Um, you know, Odell is has all the talent in the world, has a good quarterback, good system, but, um, you know, there, there, there's so many question marks there. I think he was, didn't even finish as a, a wider, maybe a back end wide receiver three this past year. And yep. um, that's, he needs to be, him to be a wide receiver one in order to compete. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, um, you know, again, Antonio Gibson, someone people are very high on and may, you know, maybe he will, um, be a, a playable guy for him this season, a flex play, perhaps an RB three. Um, and I, I think he needs him. You know, he needs his more than two running backs to perform each week to compete. And whether that third running back is Gibson, 
Matt Breida, if Breida's getting a heavy workload in Miami, Boston Scott, if, um, you know, Miles Sanders goes down. He needs, I think he needs one of those guys to, to play well because he just doesn't have enough depth in the wide receiver room from, from my liking. Yeah, having – if he has to start four, even three wide receivers, it, you know, it gets dicey after OBJ. Um, you know, McCole Hardman – I think he's he's a fine player. I don't I don't know if I'll ever feel comfortable starting him with Tyreek Kittle. I mean, uh, Tyreek and Kelsey there. It's just yeah. you know he he can have huge games. He can have you know zero catches, zero targets uh, for zero yard games too. Yeah, definitely a good best ball play. Not a good um, dynasty play as it stands now. But you know, certainly a guy with injuries that might have a role moving forward. Absolutely. Um, Okay, let's move on to Andrew's team. Andrew hasn't made the playoffs, as he noted yesterday, since the start of the league. Um, where do you see Andrew's squ- squad sitting relative to the rest of the league? H- how do you like his team? I love his RB wide receiver group. Um, overall, I think he has one of the best groups, um, you know, being able to start mixing. Um, he has Carson, who I think some people are higher on than I am, but you know, very solid player. Montgomery's a little banged up, but, you know, still I think is a RB2 for this – or RB2 potential for this year. And then his receivers, pretty top-heavy, but he's got good solid depth too. But Hopkins, Galladay, A.J. Brown is pretty solid one, two, three. So I, I disagree with the running backs. Um, I, you know – Yesterday, when I was you know, thinking through the teams and how, how I liked, I actually really liked Andrew's team without having taken a close look at it. I think he, you know, had, had a good chance to compete. But then I looked at the running back room. You know, Joe Mixon is is a stud, no question about it. But did not produce that well last year. Um, maybe he'll see an uptick uptick with Joe Burrow. But um, you know, he needs Mixon to be a top ten running back, maybe even top you know six running back to perform well. And then there's big question marks, but basically every other running back there, Montgomery starting the season hurt groin injury. I believe that's never an easy thing to come back from Ronald Jones. Uh, you know, I, I don't think he sees a real role. If Fournette is, is healthy. Um, David Johnson, not a guy I like at all. I'm staying away from David Johnson, even if he comes out starting, you know, hot, has a couple of good games. I, I don't think he'll be a starting piece for a variety of reasons. One being the Houston running backs have just never, never really, performed up to expectations I don't expect David Johnson who can barely run last year to do any better and then Chris Carson um you know certainly a guy that played well last year I have him in some other leagues but uh not a guy I'm super confident about and I don't think the you know Seattle is going to be relying on him to be an every down back I do think they really like DJ Dallas um I just saw a video of Penny getting back healthy um and I at least hope that they will rely a little more on Russell Wilson to make plays with his arm. I just saw some statistics that like, you know, when they, in the fourth quarter, the Seahawks were way better than, than the previous three in, in large part because they let um, Wilson throw the ball around. Um, I, and I, and despite the fact that that, you know, they're a run heavy team, I think you might see that a little bit more this year. Yeah. I, I, um, I probably disagree a little bit on his arm running backs. I think I like Carson and Johnson a little more just because I don't think he needs them to be stars um, even RB3 seasons are good enough if he got both of them to be RB3s because he has enough receivers to be able to start four wide receivers. And, you know, we start two running backs, two receivers, and have two flexes. So, you know, he's going to be able to start Hopkins, A.J. Brown, Galladay, and then one of Will Fuller, Debo. So he doesn't really need to rely on both DJ and Carson. Um, but I, I hear you. There's not a ton of um, – upside to get another RB1 or high-end RB2 on his squad, uh, but I think he can hold at least for um, 2020. Yeah, I think I think that's right, but again, um, you know, when I sat down and looked at his wide receivers, I, I think I I think that they, the room in general will underperform relative to expectations. I think that starts with me being very low on DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I'm not certainly not the only one who thinks that a lot of people in the dynasty community, fantasy community think DeAndre Hopkins is in for a rough year. Evan Silva being one of them. Um, I like Kenny Galladay a lot, um, but um, AJ Brown, I think is in for some regression. I hope not as a Ryan Tannehill QB owner. Um, Will Fuller, I like, and I would love for him to stay healthy. A guy I have shares of in other leagues, but um, I, 
again, I, I a good team, certainly a team that can compete, but I'm not sure um, he has enough at those positions. I, I don't. I'm not necessarily agreeing with you that he has one of the better wide receiver running back combos in the league. Well, I think if he didn't make the deal with me for Hopkins, and and I, I I'm on. I think we're all a lot of the community is on board with the hot like undervaluing. I mean, uh, uh, pushing down Hopkins's value. Um, I dealt him Hopkins, and if he didn't do that deal, you know, having Drake and yeah, yeah. Uh, Mixon, I think that lineup right there is a straight up, um, you know, legitimate contender right away. Yeah, I I agree. I think that trade has aged very poorly for him, um, but. Uh, you know, we'll see. Well, I'll have to, we'll have to see how Hopkins plays in Arizona um, and, and what that looks like. Yeah, all that can change with, a, you know, a 180-yard three-touchdown game for Hopkins. Yeah, exactly. So, so let's move on now to Blake's team, a team I'm excited to hear you talk about. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to defer judgment until I hear your thoughts. Um, certainly, I'm very invested in his roster being bad, uh, holding the rights to pick Swack with his 2021 firsts. Um, do you think I will have a top two pick next year? And then do you think, uh, how do you think his dynasty team looks moving forward? So, uh, Blake has probably the most interesting team, um, in the league. I think he is, he has three or four of the top 20, 25 players in, in the league, no doubt. Um, in Kyler Murray, um, Josh Jacobs, Christian McCaffrey and borderline Josh Allen and the super flex. Um, after that, the receivers are weak. Um, tight end is okay. Um, not a lot of youth in terms of, you know, uh, rookie picks because he, he dealt them a, a lot of them away at the, uh, end of last year. So it is a, it's a, it's a weird team because if everyone stays healthy, he'll be okay. But if one person gets hurt, he does not have the depth, um, you know, to, to cover for it. Um, I don't know who's wide receiver one is today. Uh, I think Adam Dillon, at least for 2020 is probably, you know, good enough to at least he's a starter for sure. Um, Gallup could see some regression. Uh, Brandon cooks hasn't produced in a few years. Devontae Parker, you know, first year producing last year. So it, it, there's just so many question marks at, at wide receiver. Um, I would have liked for him to probably have sold uh, one of his top running backs, Jacobs or McCaffrey, and you know, gotten another running back, or you know, downgraded a little bit at running back, and then gotten gotten a, a better wide receiver one. Yeah, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, listen, if I were Blake, I would sell McCaffrey, I would sell Jacobs, I would sell Kyler Murray and Josh Allen. You know, I would just sell all of his good pieces so that you know he can build his team moving forward and give me the one on one next year. That's that's what I see <laughs> sitting in my chair. No, I think he, I think you're right. If, if his team stays healthy, obviously he has the star power to do it. Um, but again, I I mean I don't I don't like Levy and Bell. I would I would not touch him in ten foot pole this year. Um, Josh Jacobs. You know, we'll see what he is this year. There's a lot of rumors that they won't be playing him on third downs um, as regularly as I think Jacobs owners would like. I do like Gallup a lot. I think Thielen is a fine wide receiver. Um, but, you know, in a 10-team league, I just don't see this team really competing. Um, and um, I, unless Christian McCaffrey can carry him many weeks, which is certainly possible, but I just don't see it. Yeah, I mean, I think he he's going to have his big weeks. Um but he'll certainly he'll be the most volatile team. Um, I'm curious though if he makes one move. I think you know selling CMC could potentially make him a contender right away too. You know I, yeah. I, I think he he could get one of those stud rookie backs um, plus a wide receiver or young wide receiver and a pick, and all of a sudden now his team looks totally different uh, with Jacobs as his you know RB one. Um, you know he's certainly capable of being an RB one. Yeah. I think that's all right. All right, let's move on to Alex. Um, Alex's team, I think, is another interesting one. Um, what do you think about his squad moving forward from a dynasty perspective? So, I mean, I, I love his receivers. Um, you know, he has Devontae, Keenan Allen, um, Juju as, as a great one, two, three. Uh, Keenan Allen just signing that extension, I think, you know, solidifies him as a wide receiver, two capable Right. Uh, or consistent player um, running backs are a question mark Ingram and Aaron Jones are certainly coming off of great years. I uh, could potentially see them 
taking a, a backseat a little bit to uh, the younger guys. Aaron Jones being in his contract year could, you know, could they, they could either extend him, which would be great for Alex's team. I think he needs that long-term running back or, you know, they could kind of split it a little bit more with AJ Dillon. Um, and then JK Dobbins though is, is the piece that could make or break him this year. If, if Ingram goes down or if Ingram gets phased out, if Dobbins is too good, um, this team can compete right away. Yeah. It's pretty funny that uh, I think his path to competing is, you know, his, RB two from last year getting hurt. <laughs> I don't yeah. think that's true of many teams, but I think he does need Ingram to go down um, and not have that be a crowded running back room to get the production that he needs in the running back position. Um, and and but I think you know the one thing I don't love his team. Um, I think he you could see him sell if it, if he is in the middle of the pack. Um, but you know you have George Kittle there, and I think George Kittle underperformed last year. Could be in for a big season particularly with no one else really to throw to in San Francisco. And that's a guy that, you know, if he's getting 10, 5, 10 more points than other teams starting tight ends um, can make up for deficiencies elsewhere. So um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. Yeah. The quarterbacks are also, you know, he's got five, five oh, four starters right now, but all you know veteran QBs, not a ton of upside. I know, I know big Ben and Matt Ryan right. can put together um, good seasons, but big Ben, has had a history of, you know, playing terribly on the road, fantasy-wise at least. So it's going to be tough uh, to figure out who to start each day because they're all kind of muddled together. Yeah, I, I like Matt Ryan a lot. Um, I do, but I agree with you about his, his QB2 for sure. Um, okay, let's move on to the back-to-back regular season champions. That's, <laughs> that's my squad. Um, I'll let you start talking about what you like or dislike about the team. And then I can, you know, give my own perspective of, of my roster construction. I mean, yeah, Pat Mahomes quarterbacks are great with Stafford Tannehill and Mahomes, of course, um, Chubb, very interesting player in Chubb. I own him in a couple leagues. Um, I, I, do, I, I'm so curious to see whether we see the first half of the year or like pre Kareem hunt Chubb or, you know, the, the one that finished up the season, who's still an RB two, but you know was was splitting a lot of the snaps with uh, Kareem Hunt, which could really limit his uh, catching ability this year. Right. Um, love Miles Sanders. I think he'll more than make up for it. And then James Conner, I think, has is is the guy in Pittsburgh. If Big Ben stays healthy, that offense is going to be dramatically different uh, than it was a year ago, and you know he'll produce he'll produce too. Uh, DeAndre Swift looks like probably won't be um you know a huge 2020 contributor which is okay for you i don't think you really need him uh to six uh to be a successful team this year uh given your wide receiver depth um the one guy i do want to talk about though is and maybe this is my hot take of of the podcast but is calvin ridley um mm. I, i've already been down on him not that he not that i don't think he's a good player i think he's a great football player I just don't see how he's going to be better than he was last year. Um, I think a lot of people are overvaluing him, uh, giving him that Chris Godwin type um, escalation of of production um, that Godwin enjoyed last year. But I don't see how his role is much different than it was last year in, in um, Atlanta. So that if, if you count on him to being a, you know, a top end wide receiver too, I think, I think that might you, you'll be, um, you know, a little disappointed. But I know that you're really high on him. Yeah, I am very high on Calvin Ridley, and I I do think he finishes in the wide receiver eight to twelve range, somewhere around there, as long as he stays healthy. Um, in terms of upside, I think Julio getting injured would uh, you know immediately place him in a wide receiver one category, no doubt about it. And I think that, um, you know, he doesn't need to be much better than he was last year to, you know, be a wide receiver, a low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two. Um, he was injured for the last couple of games this season on a per-game basis. I think, you know, he was right up there. He was close to Allen Robinson, I think. And Allen Robinson, I believe, finished about wide receiver nine or ten. Um, you know, in terms of Chris Godwin-type trajectories, I, I really like Anthony Miller. I think if they could get, you know, even a semblance of a quarterback play there, I think he's in for a big – a big jump. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I have a lot of guys that 
are upside that the community likes, they could certainly flounder. I think Miles Sanders could underperform. I think Calvin Ridley could underperform. Hollywood Brown, a lot of people like, I think he could underperform. Um, I see my team going as, uh, you know, being as successful as James Conner is. I think if James Conner is produced, and this is a guy that I was trying to move pre-draft at the end of last season for like an early to mid second and teams were not biting. Um, uh, and I remember specifically that I think I offered him to Alex for like a, you know, early second round pick and Alex turned it down. Um, and if James Conner can give me 10 weeks of high quality running back play, uh, I think my team looks a lot different than um, if he doesn't. So we'll see. Um, but I agree with, with much, much that you said, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I think you're certainly a contender. Um, I, but I do think that they're in a tier. You're probably closer to the closer to me than you are to uh, your brother. <laughs> I think that's probably right. Um, okay, let's move on to Brad's team. Um, you know, the, it's a very uh, interesting situation for Brad, having finished. You know, he was he made some money last year, finished in eighth place. Uh, or I guess third place, um, and now uh, I think projects to have uh, you know a little bit of a step back, a much younger team. What do you like? What do you dislike about Brad's team? Um, not like you said, transition uh, a team that's transitioning completely from a contender to a rebuilder. Um, he's done all the right things: collected draft picks, sold off old guys to get young wide receivers, some lot of tickets. Um, you know, with Lavisca, with Henry Ruggs. Um, there are a couple of te- guys still on their team though, that he, he needs to move, uh, Gurley, Melvin Gordon, probably being the, the top two guys and maybe Emmanuel Sanders and Cooper cup. Um, but you know, again, he can do that mid season and Drew Brees too. Um, I don't know. I don't think Drew Brees fits in his timeline. I think Drew Brees could be a, a, a good pickup for a, a team like Andrew or, you know, Blake if something happens to one of his quarterbacks guy on the cheaper end that is, that's going to help in 2020. So I, if I were Brad, I'd probably sell those guys sooner rather than later. Uh, I just don't want any of those guys to get hurt before you sell them. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you there. Um, I'll just say Brad is a close friend of mine. Brad, if you're listening, if you listen to this podcast, um, I hope you're having a nice day because this team kind of sucks. Um, I, I want, I'm afraid of this team. There are no high end players. I think you can get money on. I think if I'm Brad, I'm really hoping Cooper cup starts hot. Um, he's a guy that I would want to sell. I'm very nervous about his contract situation. Christian Kirk. I like Jerry Judy. I like Henry Ruggs. I like, you know, he does have those young wide receivers that, that could be good, but, um, he, he really is going to need a lot of work both in the running back room and the QB room, at least he does have his own first round pick. You know, you could, you could imagine that. And he does have a lot of draft capital. I'll say I like, I think he has two firsts and three seconds or something like that. Um, And so you could imagine him competing last year, going all in and moving his first, his 2021 first. Um, And I'm glad to see that he has that. He can probably get, you know, a top quarterback or a running back that comes out. So at least he has, you know, the, the, trajectory to move forward but man i i uh, do not like this squad at the moment yeah i mean i think uh I, I think that some of these young wide receivers that he's taking a chance on kirk harry it they are very good i mean they're, they're they're very questionable could really flame out i think harry more than kirk um i think arizona really likes him but you know they, they just trade for hopkins and it's going to be an interesting uh couple of years for Christian Kirk. If, if he's conti- going to continue to be the second or third best wide receiver on his own team, it's going to be tough for him to, you know, be a, a regular contributor. Um, so he really needs his young wide receivers to step up. But like you said, he's got, I, I know he has two first and at least two or three seconds. I did trade him one yesterday or the other day, uh, a second rounder. So this team's going to look dramatically different next year too, with a pr- potential young um, quarterback like Trevor Lawrence. Yep. Agreed. Um, okay. Let's move on to the runner up last year. Ricky, um, you know, probably regarded as having the top roster in the league though. Um, I have some skepticism about that. What do you think about his team? I mean, his team is loaded in with, um, you know, ta- with talent in every position. Uh, he's got a potential to, you know, he's got three quarterbacks that are 
in their 20s, all potential QB1s someday or right now. Um, running backs are deep. Getting Dalvin Cook was great. Um, wide receivers are insane. He goes like five deep that I would be comfortable starting as my second or third best wide receiver on my team. And then he's got Ertz. So I don't, there's not really a hole on this team. Um, I think that there's potential for some regression on some of these guys, but he does have more than enough depth pretty much everywhere to, to be, be able to um, withstand someone getting hurt with someone not producing at all. I agree. So I agree that he certainly has depth to depth to, um, you know, overcome some injuries. I think the thing we forgot a lot about though, is, you know, injuries happen in fantasy football. They happen a lot. And last year was a little unique in how, um, you know, how the majority of the high-end players stayed healthy for, for the, for most of the season. Um, and they're big question marks. You know, there's a, you know, a lot of takes on what does injury prone mean? Are guys injury prone? Are they not? Um, but Dalvin Cook and Derek Henry scare me. Um, and I think Austin Eckler probably does not have the season that many people hope he does. I, I like Joshua Kelly a lot. I do think that there'll be more of a split there than Austin Eckler dominated role. I just don't think the Chargers even want to have him be a three down back. Um, so I am not, I, I don't see as much separation between Ricky's team and some other teams in the league from, uh, you know, of this season and even next season. Um, again, having said that, we'll see how the season plays out. I think um, he certainly has a, a very talented wide receiver room. Um, and Tyreek, Julio, DJ Moore, Robert Woods is pretty stacked for. But um, it'll be interesting to see how the season plays out for sure. Yeah, I mean, he also doesn't have uh, draft capital for next year. Um, and he didn't have any this past year. Uh, he does have a couple of, you know, young players like DJ Moore. Um, uh, that could be really it in terms of uh, the running back wide receiver. But, you know, I, I think that his best move would probably be getting um, rid of one of his quarterbacks um, if necessary. If he needs an RB wide receiver help midseason, that, that quarterback is probably the best way to get value out since he doesn't have his picks. And I'm actually a little worried about his quarterbacks. Um, yes, I, I think all three are good, are great players, um, probably all in the top 15 in terms of rankings. Um, but they not, they all have question marks. I think Baker, you know, was pretty terrible last year, um, has some upside, of course, but he was terrible, hasn't put together a, a star year yet. Watson has lost his prime target, has, you know, glue factor in the backfield with David Johnson. And then, you know, Carson Wentz, I, I know you're an Eagles fan, and I think Carson Wentz, if healthy, is a great player, but he doesn't have any weapons, um, or solidified weapons outside of Zach Ertz. And he, too, has a lot of injury issues to, uh, that, that he has to deal with. So it, there's just not that one guy that you can completely count on. Um, it's going to be rotating between those three guys based on matchups. Um, but, you know, at, at that he, he, it's a good problem to have still. He still, he still has three very good quarterbacks. Yep. Yep. I, I agree. I think that all three of them are more likely to finish low end QB one than high end QB one. Um, you know, obviously Baker is not likely to finish high end QB one, but um, Watson and Wentz, I do think uh, because of those question marks that you mentioned don't have the upside that some of their quarterbacks do. Right. Um, okay, let's move on to, unfortunately, the defending champs, the person I'm speaking to on the phone, your squad. Um, <laughs> I, you know, given it's your team, I can break it down, some things I like and dislike, uh, and then hear your thoughts about it. Um, you know, obviously a very stacked QB room, even if Cam doesn't play well. If he does play well, um, you're talking about having potentially four um, you know, QB one, two types. Uh, having said that, I think Aaron Rodgers is trash. I do think he'll start the season hot cause he's pissed off, but he is not a quarterback that I'm rostering anywhere. Um, in terms of running backs, I, I, you know, really like the trade made for Drake and Edmonds. It gives your team depth at the running back position that it really lacked. It also allows Jonathan Taylor to, coming into his own this season, I imagine that, you know, whether or not you're starting him early, he'll be a guy that mid-season will, will be a high-end RB2, if not an RB1. 
and certainly have some upside. Madison, Edmonds, Pollard are probably the three most um, popular handcuffs this season. And uh, so, you know, unlike Ricky's team, you do have some depth there. Um, I, you know, I'm not actually the biggest handcuff guy. I think it, it can be better to handcuff other players, other teams running backs like you have with Madison, Ricky. Um, but obviously, you know, have a good, good, good setup there. Wide receiver is definitely where the question marks lie. We'll see what Godwin does this year. Um, I do think he's in for some regression. Diggs moving to a new team. There's question marks. Terry probably takes a step forward. Um, and is at least a wide receiver, too, with some wide receiver one upside. I think what's really unfortunate for your team is that Rager and Mike Williams are hurt to start the season. I like both those guys, particularly Mike Williams, um, and think he was in for a big year. But 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 now who knows? And obviously, Mark Andrews is, is a top, top tight end. So um, overall, very, very good roster, very deep. Um, and, you know, as long as you can have a couple of wide receivers, you know, overperform, I think, or you know, even like one, one wide receiver overperform, I think it's going to be a good year for you again this year. Yeah, definitely question marks at wide receiver. I've been pretty much trying to get a wide receiver two for um, ever since I dealt Hopkins. Um, I, I really wanted to have a second running back to, to count on, um, given that Jonathan Taylor you know, might see some 50-50 splits initially, at least. Um, I can't really afford to, uh, like, lo- lose out on uh, getting a buy. Um, so I really wanted yeah. to make sure I had a good um, second option at RB. But you're right, the Rager injury hurts a lot because I was counting on him, actually, to potentially be a wide receiver three as a rookie. I mean, he still can, but um, definitely it's going to be harder missing a couple of games. Um, I love Terry McLaren. I love – uh, Godwin, I think Godwin, you're right. A lot of TDs last year could see more of a back end wide receiver one type season from him, um, which is still great. Um, but it's not, you know, I don't expect him to be competing again, again for the wide receiver one overall. And yeah. dig, dig, yeah. I count more as a wide, my wide receiver three after Terry, uh, just because, like you said, new system, new team, and an ex- extremely inaccurate quarterback. Yeah. With Tampa Bay, you know, obviously very talented players all over, but, um, you know, if, if they're not breaking records for points scored, I just don't know where all the points are going to come from. Um, you know, Godwin, Evans, Gronk, OJ Howard, Fournette, Rojo. Um, there's a lot of mouths to feed there. And we're, we're not even talking about some of the, you know, lesser slot guys that have got attention in camp. Um, and, you know, I think a lot relies on Brady's ability to perform. And what if Brady's arm is dead? And it kind of looked that way last year. I'm not so sure that he's going to – and Godwin, if Godwin can play an Edelman-type role in that offense, he'll be fine. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. I think that whole offense could disappoint, um, though there's, you know, stars everywhere, and it's certainly a very talented group. Right. I, I think you're right, though. If Brady does – not throw that deep ball the same way he used to Randy Moss. I think that hurts Mike Evans a lot more than it hurts Chris Godwin. For sure. Um, though I do see a lot of TD potential for Gronkowski and you know that could potentially limit um, Godwin and even Evans. Um, you know, they're up. Godwin's there obviously because of his receptions and yards, but the reason why he was wide receiver two overall is his touchdowns. He scored a ton of touchdowns last year. Um, he got a lot of looks, and I love that Bruce Arians' offense for him. But if he's not scoring 10, 12, 13 touchdowns, he's not going to be that top three or four wide receiver. Yeah, agreed. All right, well, that wraps up our first segment, looking at you know each team from a dynasty perspective. Let's jump now into segment two. Um, I think this is what a lot of people are – tuning in for this podcast to see where we think their teams are going to fall at the end of the season. And again, you know, we're not project, we're not ranking teams from a dynasty perspective here. What we're doing is saying, okay, at the end of this season, where do we think um, the teams will fall? Who's, who do we project to win the championship? Who do we project to get the one Oh one? So why don't you give your bottom four, well, the teams that you think are not going to make the playoffs, I'll give my bottom four, and then we'll jump into the playoff teams. Okay, so should I start from the bottom or number seven? Let's start from the bottom. 
All right. So from the bottom, I think when it's all said and done, Brad's going to deal um, his his uh, few veteran players and do his best to tank the season. So I have him finishing tenth. Um, I have Blake finishing ninth. I have John Lewis finishing eighth. And in a surprise, I have Mr. Alex Deckel finishing seventh. Mm, mm, it's you know. And again, we—I haven't heard your rankings. You haven't heard mine. I will—I'll say that I originally had Alex on the outside looking in, and that has since changed. But um, you know, controversial take there. I'll—I'll uh, I'll go from the bottom two. I have Brad similar finishing last. I think if the rosters—I think you're right. If the rosters stay the same, I would not have Brad projected to finish right. in the last place. But uh, I do think Brad will sell some of his aging assets for the reasons we've talked about and we'll make him finish in 10th. Um, from there, I have Blake finishing in ninth as well. I have Jay Lou finishing in eighth. Um, and so now the moment you've all been waiting for, this was very difficult for me. Um, I have four teams uh, neck and neck from, you know, I think it can go any number of ways. I did have Roshan finishing in, in seventh place. So I apologize for that. Um, you know, another missed playoff for him and, and Saquon again, both with the Giants and on his team, uh, not getting to see the postseason. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think that what we what what essentially came down to, I think seventh place to fourth place was pretty much uh, a, a dead heat. Um, could see it going any which way. I I think uh, my seventh place ranking of Alex has more to do with Alex as an owner than it does his current team. I think if he, he'd rather be seventh and, and then fourth place. Um, I think he's more likely to blow it up early um, if, if his team is struggling out of the gate, if he knows he can't catch up to the top couple teams. Yep, I think, I think that's right. Um, though, you know, so much can happen in fantasy football postseason, making the right. playoffs. Um, you know, you don't know who gets hot, what running back you have that, you know, ends up becoming a starter. So making the playoffs in this type of league can just, you know, that's all you really need. But agreed, I think Alex does like, you know, if he's sitting there and not, not fully confident about his chances, this a guy that will probably want to rebuild too. Okay, let's, let's walk through um, the ne- your next four teams. So not mentioning the top two, who are your next four teams in order? So, and, and to reiterate, this is regular season standings. Right. Yes. Yep. So yep. At, at sixth place, I have Russian. At fifth place, I have Andrew. Wait mm-hmm. one second. Fourth yeah. place, I have. I messed up my ranking. Yeah, fourth place, I have Edge. And then with the shocker, at third place, I have myself. Mm, that is a shocker. That is a shocker. I thought uh, you might be a little more confident in your squad than that. <laughs> um, I, I can you keep, wait. So walk with me again. Walk with me through uh, six through six through th- four, six through three. So six Roshan, five Andrew, four Edge, and then three me. Okay, that that makes sense. I have a little bit different here. I have Andrew sliding into the playoffs at the sixth spot. I have Alex falling in fifth. Uh, oh, I guess yeah, Alex falling in the fifth place. Edge falling in fourth place. And at the third position, the team just missing out on by, I also have you. I have you finishing in third place, though certainly could could see you uh, getting one of those two buy spots. Yeah, I think more than anything, I, I see a little more potential in your team during the regular season uh, than me. Um, but I, I just know that you're going to choke in the playoffs, so it doesn't really matter. Well, we'll see about that. Uh, I did build this specific <laughs> roster with the playoffs in mind. So, uh, you know, DeAndre Swift is going to get hot just right at the time to carry you back. Okay. With, sure. Without further ado, who do you, who do you see as uh, the – let's let's just say who do you see as winning it all and then the runner-up is obviously the other person. Right, the regular season champion. Who do you see as the regular season champion? So regular season I see for the first time someone other than yourself winning. And, of course, it's your twin brother. I see Ricky, you know, holding the top seed. You know, look, I, I you know, that's that's a great take. Um, I think it, it makes a lot of sense and something a lot of people would agree with. But I I was texting my brother about this the other day, and I just don't see it. I see my team being the back-to-back-to-back, 
regular season champions and catapulting themselves, getting hot right at the right time, beating Ricky in back-to-back weeks to walk to enter the playoffs, and uh, I, I capture the top spot. I think it's very close. I, you know, I was between me and Ricky, and I didn't want to, you know, I'm, I'm too confident of a person to, to project him otherwise, but I certainly could see it falling any number of ways. And again, injuries change so much that, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's outside, um, you know, the, the world of possibilities that edge um, or someone else finishes with a buy for sure. Yeah. I think it all comes down to QB play for edge. If, if they, you know, if he puts together one of his quarterbacks puts together a QB one season, uh, then I think he he has every opportunity to be getting a buy, and you know the way that our league works with playing the average makes it far more even. Um, even though Ricky probably disagrees from last year, um, it's just you know far more even, better chance for the the best teams to to get those top couple seeds. Agreed. All right, that wraps up segment two. Let's move on now and briefly discuss some of the transactions that we liked. Um, I have a couple written down here. I know you do as well. What were some transactions over the off season that you think have aged well that you, that you really like uh, moving forward this season? So, I mean, I, I think it makes more sense for me to talk about it than you, but um, your trade that you made with edge has probably been a trade that's aged the best over the last year in our league. Um, so mm-hmm. the, the full trade and correct me if I'm wrong here is you traded Fournette, Evans, and Waller for Sanders, Ridley, and a second. That's right. right. That's right. So, I mean, at the time, Evans being a, you know, pretty much a consensus back-end wide receiver, one in Dynasty, Fournette, potential RB1, and Waller coming off a massive season, um, you know, with with close to to a top three or four tight end uh, finish, uh, you know, for Miles Sanders, who, you know, Showed some flashes last year, but ultimately was not a you know a consistent pro- um, producer until the end of the year. Uh, Ridley and then a second round pick that has aged extremely well. Um, I think I think you can argue that Sanders and Ridley are the two most valuable players in that trade now. Yeah, that is um, that's one that uh, I am proud of. Though you know, I think uh, it's, it's certainly not out of the question that. Uh, you know, Fournette and Evans have better, you know, seasons this year and even, you know, outlooks moving forward. But um, I'm excited to have Miles Sanders. I'm excited to have Calvin Ridley. Those are two guys I really wanted to roster, um, you know, in February and uh, I'm glad to have them on my team. Um, for, for my, for my uh, transaction that I want, one of the ones I wanted to highlight, it's going to be a little bit of a hot take here. This was a, another trade that at the time it was made, people were ridiculing the person who made the trade, you know, you know, making, and myself included, I thought this person was crazy. I think I texted him and was like, what are you doing? This is an awful trade. Can I but guess the, the trade? Guess the trade. Yeah. I think it's my trade with Brad. It is your trade with Brad. It is your trade with Brad. Uh, Kirk, Harry, 210 for Hopkins. At the time, um, you know, I think, it made no sense, particularly because Brad could have gotten a better second from you. And I still think he, he should have done at least that. But sitting here today, um, I think the trade looks much, much better than it did at the time, in part because I'm very low on Hopkins. Um, in that offense, I don't think he outperforms Kirk by that much, by that significant of a margin. Um, and look, I don't like Harry. I don't think he is going to have a good season or be a good piece moving forward, but he has some upside. And that 210, I be- believe, turned into LaVisca, though I would have to go back and look. And, um, you know, for Brad, wanting to get younger, I think it makes a lot of sense sitting here today. Do I wish he got a little bit more value? Yes. But for me to sit here and say that it even was a even trade or close to even trade is pretty comical for my end because at the time I was like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, and I think that it, the trade made perfect sense for me given my you know young wide receivers and who I ended up drafting and the fact that I sold Hopkins afterwards. Um, I think for me it was about the value there, getting, getting uh, you know, 
a big wide receiver name um, while, you know, while Pratt was initiating a rebuild um, at a little undervalue and then flipping him um, at what I thought was good market value. Um, and then uh, just to um, finish off that trade, that 210, I actually ended up trading to Brad back to uh, Brad traded it back to me for 304 and 305. He got Zach Moss and then Jacob Beeson. Oh, so, okay. So I didn't, I had, I missed that, but yeah, I love Zach Moss. So that makes me even like the trade even more. Right. And he got Singletary um, as well on a different deal. So it made a lot of sense to get the Buffalo backfield. So, I mean, overall, I think that Brad could have done a little better, but that has also aged pretty well. Yeah. All right. Tell me another one more, one more deal that, that you really likes in here today. Oh man, it's tough to pick one. Let me give you um, two more, however many more you have. <laughs> so the, the the other one I want to highlight is um, the George Kittle trade. I think that, um, and just to back up, it was Jay Lou gave up George Kittle and the 2021 third for Austin Hooper and then uh, 205 and 208, which um, ended up actually being, actually, I think it happened post-draft. But it was uh, Justin no, I think, Jefferson. I think, oh, yeah, you're right. It was Jefferson and T. Higgins. That's right. And T. Higgins. Um, just, you know, it was just part of the rebuild. It made so much sense um, for J. Lou to give up those, give up uh, Kittle for all those young guys and still retain Austin Hooper, who, who could still be a, a tight end one. Well, I am very glad that you raised that trade because it is also one that I had down as a great trade, but for the exact opposite reason. I hate this trade for J. Lou. There um, we go. And so, you know, for a team that's rebuilding, George Kittle is young. Uh, Travis Kelsey just signed a new deal at age 30, 31. So George Kittle is going to be a guy that I would want on my roster for the next five, six years. He's going to be a locked-in tight end one for that entire time. And he traded him for Austin Hooper, who I don't project to be a tight end one this season. And if he is, he's probably projected to be a low-end tight end one. For T. Higgins, who I don't like, and for Justin Jefferson, who's had a bad camp. And so, or at least not a, you know, promising camp that shows the upside that people were looking for. And so, and I think it's particularly bad in a 10-team league because the best teams have elite players and you need strong performance at your various positions. You have elite performance to beat teams, to beat the average. George Kill is exactly the type of guy. It, it, you know, it's not like he had Travis Kelsey and traded Travis Kelsey during a rebuild. He had George Kittle, and George Kittle's not going anywhere. He's going to be around for, you know, a very long time. And, uh, you know, I hear you. I, I, I get the idea of making a trade and a rebuild and, and wanting to get younger, but I, that is not a move that I, I did not like it at the time. I don't like it now. I would much rather have George Kittle, even on a team that's rebuilding than the load of crap that Jay Lou got in return. I think that's just a difference in opinion on the two receivers he got. I, I love Justin Jefferson. I think he's got a wide receiver, like, you know, 10 through 13 potential as soon as 2021, 2022, I, I see him being a better version of uh, Calvin Ridley. So, wow. To, wow. to me, I like – and, and I, I see them as similar players, um, given route running ability, um, you know, overall being that second wide receiver on a team, but being a higher, you know, a, you know, a higher-end um, producer because of a lot of receptions um, and potential there. And, you know, he is – he – He's young. He's 20. I think, I think he's 21 years old, Justin Jefferson. Uh, Ridley came out when he was 24. I, I, I see Jefferson more potential being a Godwin-type guy um, you know, than Ridley. So I hear you. I think, you know, do I wish I had Justin Jefferson and T. Higgins on my team? Absolutely. I think they both have you know, upside. But the, I think some of the reasons I don't like it are that it's difficult to project wide receivers that hit. There are tons of, you can look in, there are tons of first round wide receivers that have been drafted over the last few years that don't hit even second round receivers. And so, you know, you're taking somewhat of a dart throw, even for a guy that was drafted as highly as Justin Jefferson was. Um, and you're taking a B tight end for the top dynasty tight end in the game. And, 
perhaps you can like Justin Jefferson as a player, and I, and I do. I did in the draft, and I still like him a lot. But I don't see his upside being anywhere near, near Kevin Ridley, at least for the foreseeable future, given that Kirk Cousins is their quarterback, who couldn't even get Stefan Diggs going. And I also think that um, it, it just – look – from a value perspective, it probably adds up in trade calculators and it's probably a fine trade, but I don't like it. I wouldn't have done it. And I would have much rather had George Kittle on my team. So to take your point and maybe flip it back on you. Yes. I think you're right on wide receivers, not being, um, you know, surefire picks, um, especially in the first round. So I, I would want to accumulate as many of these high end wide receivers in a rebuild to see who could potentially be, um, a potential wide receiver one. He's got now he's got like six or seven under 23 wide receivers and a couple of them pan out to wide receiver one players. And all of a sudden you're looking at a, you know, a, a great uh, trajectory for his team. So I, I, if it was tight end premium, I think I would feel a lot differently, but given t- uh, tight ends are treated the same way in a, in a tight end once one tight end starting league, I, I think that, Although Kittle is my tight end one, I think it it was a good time for him to sell because honestly, I don't even think, see twenty twenty one as being his contention. It's twenty twenty two. Kittle has already dealt with injuries. He's just on his extension. I think it's great. I think he's going to be a stud, but I don't see a massive difference um, in in value from you know what he got Jefferson, um, Higgins, and then uh, Hooper as well. I I agree that Hooper's nothing more than a back end tight end one at best. Uh, but he doesn't really need that production right now. And the, honestly, that could hurt him in his hopes to get one-on-one this year. Yeah. And I guess one thing, one piece of the trade that I do want to point out though, it wasn't just getting Kittle back in return. Alex also got J. Lewis 2021 third. And so that projects to be, you know, 301 to 303. Sure. And so um, that's, that's a very valuable pick, it, it, you know, time value money. It's still, not, it, you know, it's, decently less valuable than 208 but it's not that far off i think you're probably you know t higgins versus whoever goes at pick 22 this year i don't think are gonna be vastly different players and so then what you're really talking about is hooper justin jefferson for george kittle and i think that also you know has to be counted in when you're looking at this trade for sure right i yeah i i disagree on higgins too but i i totally see your point um, this is also going to be a very deep and valuable draft. So, uh, you know, 303 is going to be a good pick. For sure. Um, any other trades you want to highlight before we wrap up? Um, I think it was good that we finished on the same one, but I, th- I think that's really it. Um, other than that, there's a, a bunch of small deals that were, at the end of the day, not too impactful um, in terms of changing trajectories. I think we talked about Edge a little bit in, in the trade for you, like, shifting from a uh, younger team to a contender right away and then doubling down um, with the Jared Goff, Raheem Mostert, and Tyler Lockett deal. Um, so I think Edge tra- changed his, the trajectory of his team before the draft. Um, for the worse, for the better, who knows? We'll see how um, Evans and Fournette produce and if uh, Edge can you know, con- contend right away. Yeah, I, I would add one trade too. Um you know, it just happened this week. You traded Hayden Hurst for Ayuk. Hayden Hurst, a guy that will certainly be Andrew's starter this year, but also a guy that I, when I was looking through the transaction history, that you picked up off waivers in March. And turning a waivers pickup into, you know, a first round, you know, Brandon Ayuk went in the first round of the NFL draft and second round of our draft. Um, you know, that is, uh, that is a significant addition to your team. Um, and I think that's a, the type of small moves that can, can help, you know, move your team to the next level for sure. I, I mean, my, my first year, our first year in the league, I had the worst tight end production by far. I got, I have gotten so lucky though, because I picked up Mark Andrews off of waiver wire up uh, before our second season. And now, um, and then Hurst and flipped him for Ayuk. Um, so the waiver wire has completely transformed my tight end group. Yeah. And mine too, you know, I got Waller um, and even Ryan Thomas and Disley are guys that uh, have been, have been picked up off the waiver wire. And Um, flipped for, for better draft capital too. Right. Right. 
All right, uh, Neil, thanks for, for talking with me. I think it'll be interesting to see how the season goes. I certainly hope I can repeat um, as back-to-back-to-back regular season champs, but I think I can say for us both that we're excited that, that football is back as a general matter and I hope that continues to be the case throughout the season. Absolutely, and I hope you re- repeat too, but I hope I, I repeat as well. And uh, if we can have <laughs> a regular season, um, I'll take the playoffs. Yeah, we'll see about that. All right. Jimmy, Sager, have a great one.